It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today we are talking about another close Pacers loss. The story of their season continues. Their 13th loss by four points or less this time at the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans in New Orleans. And yet, these losses are not ones that any fan's going to be bothered by. The young guys played well. They're not expected to win with so many starters missing the game. Karis LeVert did return for this one. You know, it, it was a fine loss from where the Pacers' season is going. They would have liked to win. This team always is liking to win, but they did not win. We'll talk about the game. They re-signed Lance Stevenson to another 10-day deal today, breaking down what that means for the team, what it means for his status going forward, and what their plans can be to keep Lance for the rest of the season after this 10-day deal. And then Brogdon, it was announced this weekend, was shut down for 10 days with his Achilles sore. And it's got to talk about that, what it could mean, and if he could be out for longer than that, because that is always ominous when a guy just gets completely shut down. Let's start with the game, Noah. You know how I am on Lockdown Pacers. The games are always the most important story. Pacers fall. Two New Orleans, 117-113. This game was really close the entire way. The biggest lead for either team was eight, and it was back and forth, 12 lead changes. The longest run was only 10, which seems kind of large, but in the modern NBA is not much. It was a really back and forth and interesting affair, and really had the Pacers not stunk it up with a 17-point third quarter. They would have won because they've scored 30 or more in all the rest of the quarters, and they played a pretty good team-balanced basketball in this game. It was a fascinating game. For this Pacers team, Karis LeVert returns from his calf injury uh, and played 32 minutes, 19 points for him, but it took him 21 shots to get there. So not the most efficient night for him. And he shot well from three. It was his inside the arc game that was suffering. He couldn't get as good of screens without Turner or Sabonis playing in this game. So he was just a little off, but he, he was still good. Eight assists and 19 points. That was the big thing for me to start this game is how's LeVert going to look inserted with this youth group? Because last year, 
Levert was the only ball handler. Like the lead guy was really good. He'd been averaging almost 25 points per game in his last 10 prior to this one, and he still played well. 19 and 8 is nothing to shrug at or nothing, you know, bad or anything like that, but it took him 21 shots to get there. He wasn't finishing well inside the arc. So that was one story of the game is his return, and he was fine. I, I think he'll ease into it a little more, but these are big games for him and the Pacers, right? He is, a, you know, reportedly on the trade block, and there's a lot of teams that do, in fact, have interested him, some of which I've talked about on the show. This is an opportunity for him with every other key guy out for the Pacers to really showcase his skills and, and kind of launch his value up. And 19 and 8 is going to be, you know, 21 shots is not great, obviously. Hitting half his threes, though, in 19 and 8 is going to be nice for the Pacers going forward. The other story of this game is the young Pacers. We'll talk about them in a minute, including a record-setting night for one Pacer. But let's talk about how weird this game was. The Pacers hit 19 out of their 46 threes. That's 41%. 19 threes is a ton That would have been their franchise record like two and a half seasons ago with how the NBA is trending. The Pelicans only had six threes. They were six for 30. They shot 20% from deep. That was only the ninth game in NBA history. NBA history where a team that makes 13 or more threes and their opponents loses. It was a funky night. How do you make 13 more threes than the other team and lose? Pacers shoot better from deep. They barely shoot worse from the field. They take 25 free throws. All those stats suggest the Pacers should win, and yet they got beat why because one they got smoked on points in the paint Jonas Valanciunas was amazing for the Pelicans in this game he was drawing double teams from the Pacers in this game he still had five offensive rebounds 16 12 and six night for Jonas Valanciunas despite the Pacers sending bodies on bodies at him and they just had so many lapses on defense where someone had to come double him or shade him or rotate from the weak side and he just he burned him and Lance you know Lance had a few weak moments that Carlisle was talking to him specifically that were highlighted on the broadcast, same with O'Shea Brissett, right? So they they really struggled with Valanciunas. That was part of it. And that led to the Pelicans scoring 64 points in the paint compared to only 32 for the Pacers. And normally the Pacers are a good points in the paint team. So that was one reason why hitting 13 more threes did not really matter for the Pacers is they stunk it up in the paint. And the Pelicans also hit 29 of 31 from the free throw line, an unreal Free throw performance from them. That's a, a fantastic game. 29 makes is unbelievable. And that kind of highlights they were driving really well to the rim and drawing those foul shots in general. Again, the Pacers paint defense was really weak in this game. They were, they've were they definitely been missing Miles Turner. They've, they had a 117 defensive rating in the four games since Turner got hurt. I'm sure that went up after, after this game. The Pacers also lost a turnover battle by five. They lost the offensive rebounds battle by two. Basically, every stat that would be either an efficiency thing or a possession thing outside of three-pointers the Pacers got smoked in. So despite shooting way better than New Orleans from deep, the Pacers still lost. And it turns out to be a very strange, statistically anomalous game for them because they they really did well generating good threes and knocking them down, but the Pels did pretty well in every other area. And and this was the first game they they felt Miles, Miles' impact not being out there in other games recently. But this one, it was painfully obvious as the Pelicans just... We're driving by everybody. You know, Levert's defense was not up to snuff in this game. And Gogo was fouling like crazy. He had five fouls. He couldn't play the whole game. Isaiah Jackson finished with five fouls. They couldn't get enough rim protection on the court. So to start the second half, Carlisle starts O'Shea Brissett at center, right? And when that was always an option for them with their other two bigs out. And Brissett actually played okay in this game. They played his 33 minutes to a dead draw. He had six points and nine rebounds. Like he two steals, two blocks. Brissett played a good game. It's just when you're going with O'Shea Brissett on Valanciunas, you've already kind of lost something in general, even if you are able to switch a little bit. So the tactical stuff the Pacers were forced to do because of the way the Pelicans played and because of the poor perimeter defense the Pacers played, it really cost them this game, which is a bummer because Levert played all right, and they got some good 
games from their young guys, which honestly, in the grand scheme of the Pacers season, they would like to win. You know, they would like to push for the plan still, even if they're not really trending that way. And the trade deadline is coming up. You know, the time to make these decisions is now. But in the grand scheme of the Pacers season, they're sitting in 13th place. They're 17th and 30, well out of the plan. Losing a close game in which their young guys play well isn't the worst result ever. Chris Duarte had 11 points in the first quarter alone. He only finished with 14 and really struggled. He, I think he got hurt a little bit in the second quarter of this game. Maybe it was the first quarter. I can't remember where he came up limping. Only scored three points the rest of the way. He played the rest of the game. I don't think he it's a, it's a long-term injury or anything. Carlisle didn't even talk about it in his post-game presser. Just something to monitor for an already banged-up team. But he still had a nice game, especially in that first quarter. Goga, despite the fouls, continues to look good. 12 points, five rebounds, three assists for him. Uh, again, the fouls were concerning. He definitely doesn't have the muscle to defend a guy like Valanchunas at this stage of his career, but still so some nice touching touches around the rim. Excuse me, four for seven finishing for him in this game, three offensive rebounds in his own, uh, in his own right. Isaiah Jackson played some nice defense as well with two blocks. He had six points and four rebounds. Another good game for him. He was the Basers best plus minus guy at plus nine. And then the big one, the rookie Dwayne Washington jr. 21 points to lead the Pacers in scoring. Dwayne Washington jr. Leads the Pacers in scoring. Seven three-pointers for Dwayne Washington in this game. That is a Pacers rookie record for threes in a game. And that is the 36th game, or 36th player, excuse me, in NBA history to hit seven or more threes in a game as a rookie. He was bombing them away. He was heat-checking them in the fourth quarter in a close game. He was in the closing lineup. The Dwayne Washington in a game in which, you know, they were missing two centers, obviously, but they were only missing Brogdon basically from they're Grogdon and McConnell. They were missing two guys from their guard rotation. They still said, yeah, we're closing with Dwayne Washington. The longest tenured pacer in the closing lineup was Karis Laverde. They acquired 373 days ago. They closed with Dwayne, and it was the right choice. He had a big three in this game late to cut it to three. He was fantastic. Seven of 12 from deep in this game. All of his shots with threes on his way to 21 points. Pacers win his minutes by three points. I continue to just be so impressed by his quick decision-making, his quick trigger. He's very streaky, as he was at Ohio State. His defense is still a work in progress, certainly. But I think he, because he can, you know, he always puts the ball on the floor quickly. He makes the right reads with passes. He had three assists in this game. I still think he can be a promising offensive prospect for this team. I don't know if he's necessarily ever a rotation level guy, but oh man, does he? I think he's got a, a future in the league as a guy you you take a flyer on a couple years in a row and see what you got with him. And he continued to prove why in this game with with a very impressive. 7-3 night. He deserves to be the story of the game to me. I mean, the, the, a, a Pacers rookie record obviously deserves to be a story. Something that's only been done 30-something times in NBA history obviously deserves to be a story. And I made it this far in my game recap because so much stuff happened between Levert returning and the crazy statistical game, another young guy stepping up. So a promising road trip and game for the Pacers in general. Two and three, given their competition and given who's out, is pretty good. And they got to see the young guys play a lot and play pretty well. So even though they're they're still a little bit uh, struggling and limping into the trade deadline timing, uh, at least they had a promising road trip and have a little more confidence in their youth going forward. So not the worst thing ever for the Pacers. They would obviously like better results going forward. And we'll talk about those on coming shows. But now we got to talk about some stuff they did off the court, including re-signing Lance Stevenson today. So let's talk about that. But first, let's talk about the good folks over at Prize Picks. So I've been telling you about on this show for months. And if you haven't signed up yet, now is the perfect time for a limited time. Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You get $50 for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, you got to use the code NBA when you sign up. But that exclusive offer for locked on fans, use the code NBA, is you get $50 for free if one of your picks scores one 
Single point, Price Picks has the best NBA DFS prop games on the market and offer more props than any other DFS prop operator. Any prop you can think of for any player, points, assists, rebounds, made threes, you name it, they've got it. It's just you versus the projected numbers. You can win up to 10 times your entry as you pick two to five players to play every day. Go to pricepicks.com today or download the app in your app store. Deposit and use that promo code NBA, $50 for free if your first entry scores a single point. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thank you for making Locked On Pacers your first listen every single day. Why not make Locked On Pelicans your second listen today to hear about the win from the opposing side? But let's talk about Lance Stevenson right now, who signed a second standard 10-day contract with the Pacers Right before the day of this game. I'm sorry if this terminology for these 10 days is very confusing. It was his fourth 10-day of the season with the Pacers. The first two were hardship exception 10 days. The most recent two have been standard 10 days that count against the salary cap. Yes, that's very confusing. No, I don't expect anyone to actually know the difference between those. Lance is back for 10 more days. And if you've been listening to the show for a few weeks, you knew that I expected and predicted this is exactly what the Pacers would do. Basically, what happens here is... His his 10-day money is not fully guaranteed, which sucks for Lance if he gets hurt and the Pacers kind of stringing him along. Certainly sucks, but he was out of the league for a while and doesn't have a lot of leverage here. But that said, the reason this is happening and continues to happen is when a guy gets cut on a 10-day contract, there's no waiver process. It's just over. So the Pacers, who we are two weeks from the trade deadline, basically, we're one day away from it being two weeks from the trade deadline, which is crazy. Right, They would like flexibility because they can easily now, at the drop of a hat, for the next 10 days, create a roster spot to make a lopsided trade or to bring in some money or to, to do something extra in a deal that gives them added flexibility before they have to decide on Lance's future for the rest of the season. That's why they like the 10 days. And then after the trade is done, they can reshuffle their roster and bring Lance right back. You know, Bob Kravitz from The Athletic was at the last Pacers home game, and he asked Rick straight up. Do you think Lance should you want Lance to be on the team for the rest of the season? And Carlisle said, sure. Right. That kind of tips the whole thing. We we kind of knew that. He's infused some some life into this team and energy into this fan base. And like, yeah, he deserves to be on the team the rest of the season. And for a game like tonight, where they play the Pelicans, he was the backup point guard. He was ahead of Keeper Sykes in the rotation. He played pretty well, again, dishing out five assists in this game. Right. So even if they needed to cut someone, it would probably be Sykes anyways, if Lance had a fully guaranteed deal. He doesn't right now, so it's not. It's obviously it'd be him on his 10 day and then they just bring him back. But, you know, it, it, if it came to that, they, they'd keep him over Sykes. He's already playing over Kiefer Sykes in the rotation. But the reason they gave him the 10 day is all about flexibility because now they have the option to pull it. Even if they think Lance is going to be on the team the whole, the whole rest of the season, they can pull his deal, 
make the trade, shuffle the roster after the trade, and then bring Lance right back. No penalties to do that. That has always been the blueprint for these 10 days for the Pacers and Lance, even if it is extremely awkward to have to continue to string him along and keep signing him to new deals and having all this stuff go on. That's why this is happening. Have no doubts, fans. Unless he gets hurt in the next 10 days or something crazy happens, like Kiefer Sykes turns into one of the best players in the league. In the next nine days, Lance Stevenson will be on this team the rest of the season. And he's earned this, right? He was obviously amazing for that two-game stint on his first hardship 10-day, and he, he had some struggling games after that. He had 14 in Boston and then really struggled for the next you know, four or five games, averaging just 3.4 points per game, was a minus and the plus-minus in four of those five games, but then was excellent in Phoenix on the last on his standard 10-day, 17 points on seven or nine shooting. He was great in that game. He was really good in this, you know, despite only shooting two for six, he was really good in this game. They just played against the Pelicans, hit a pair of threes. Again, five assists, was really controlling that second unit. Still has some sloppy turnovers, still does all the Lance stuff that makes him such a polarizing player. But clearly he he has a role on this team that needs the jolt of energy, that needs the fan favorite, and needs a guy who can be invariably good and bad sometimes. Like This is a rare situation even where I, a guy who's not necessarily the biggest fan of Lance's game, is like, yes, he deserves a spot on this team. He deserves this backup point guard role. He's filled it very well. So it makes all the sense in the world that the Pacers brought him back. He will continue to fill the role that he's in ably. And even if, you know, Brogdon, we'll talk about him in the next segment, comes back at some point and they have to shuffle the rotation around. Who knows what Jeremy Lamb's future is on this team? Who knows how they feel about Dwayne versus Lance in the rotation going forward? You know, there's a chance Lance is in like not the fully healthy nine man rotation, but pretty close to it, depending on Brogdon's health status, depending on if Levert or Lamb is on the team going forward. A lot of factors at play that he could like be a guy that plays for them. The rest of the season. So beyond this 10-day or not, he will be a key guy for this team. The questions I will have for the Pacers is all about timing. If they don't make a trade in the next 10 days, how do they handle what's going to come for Lance? Because his current 10-day will expire. The last day will be February 2nd. The trade deadline is February 10th. What the Pacers would have liked is to keep Lance through his second hardship 10-day all the way through it. They ended it after three days because no one was in health and safety protocols. So he would have had to be inactive going forward. And that's obviously not ideal. They wanted him to play, but they would have liked the extra days on that 10-day if they could have gotten him. Because right now, they'll play Orlando on on the 2nd of February, and Lance's 10-day will expire. And then there will be a week until the deadline. They play the 4th, 6th, and the 8th before the trade deadline. So I'll be curious how the Pacers navigate uh, signing Lance in that time frame because if, if they ideally, you know, they want to wait to the last possible moment to make their deals to get the best offers, the last offers they're going to get to evaluate everything to the last possible point they can before they make deals, even though fans want them to happen now, wait until the last possible moment when every team's picked their direction makes always has made the most sense, always has. So how they decide to, to tackle those three games in that six-day stretch between the expiring of this and bringing Lance in for the rest of the season. That will be very interesting to me. Now, something to note about those games is only one of them's at home, right? With the and, and you can tell the Pacers have done this before. Sometimes injured players or guys not on the team, they let work out at the facility or be around the squad still to the extent that they're legally allowed to by the NBA. You know, they're not literally practicing with the team. That would be illegal, but using the facilities for rehab and stuff like that's just fine. So maybe he could be like present and use the facilities to practice on his own time and stuff. But I, I don't know how they'll they'll handle that stuff, you know, going forward. So that will be the time timing that I am interested in what they do is do they sign him to the rest of the season deal on February 3rd? If they make a trade before February 3rd, that doesn't matter. But that's the stuff to monitor with Lance going forward is if the Pacers have not made a trade by the third, 
how do they navigate signing him to his next deal and how do they navigate trades not having that extra roster spot but for the meantime he's on the team for the next 10 days they play charlotte oklahoma city dallas the clippers and the magic in that stretch so perhaps he can put a stamp on the game again and again with brogdon out for all of those 10 days most likely maybe he'll return for the last game or something we'll talk about that again in just a few seconds he will be needed he will be the backup point guard for basically that entire stretch unless he gets hurt or Levert gets hurt or a trade happens so Good for Lance. He earned this. Good for the Pacers and their fans. They need this and this jolt that he has provided. And when you're 17 and 31, do anything you can to provide some life and some energy into your team. Congrats to Lance Stevenson for his fourth 10-day deal. And I'm sorry to all of you for boring you by talking about this over and over, but it is the story of the team. that They keep bringing this guy back, and he's had a good month for them. He's deserved it. But let's talk about the starting point guard. Uh, I should have talked about this yesterday, but Kevin Bowen was gracious enough to volunteer his time, and I wanted to get his perspective on the Pacers' season in general and the young guys playing well. Malcolm Brogdon is hurt, and he's been hurt. You know, this isn't like a new thing, but we there is some clarity and some updates on that and what this could mean for the Pacers going forward. That Malcolm Brogdon has been totally shut down for ten days, so let's talk about that. But first. Let's talk about the good folks over at betonline.ag who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022, and it's a new year. They've got a new updated desktop and mobile website where you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Wow, 50%. All you got to do is use the promo code Locked On to get started. They've got football. they got basketball. they got hockey, boxing, UFC. they got your favorite Vegas casino games on there as well. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022 over at BetOnline.ag, who is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen every single day. Why am I talking about Malcolm Brogdon's injury? This might seem confusing because Brogdon has played in three games since December 15th of 2021, right? We're at, we're going on 40 days where Brogdon has played three days. What is the new update here? We've known he has his Achilles soreness. And in two of those games, right, he played against Miami for one quarter and played eight minutes. Then he played 17 minutes against Boston and barely played in the second half. The Lakers game last week was the exception where he played the full game and was mostly in the rotation, although his minutes were clearly lowered at only 26. What is the update here? He's only played three games. His season has been weird. The update is we learned before the Phoenix game that they are shutting down. This is as of January 22nd, which is key for this timeline. The Pacers are just shutting down completely Brogdon for 10 days, right? The exact quote from... Uh, Carlisle was Malcolm's going to shut down for 10 days at minimum to begin a program to aggressively rehab his Achilles situation. We haven't made the progress that we need to make that much is obviously clear. I mean, again, he's only played three games in like 40 days, so they need to make more progress to get him out there. And quite frankly, for a 17 and 30 team, that's getting some interesting contributions from their guys that can feature Karis LeVert that can now play their guards more minutes leading up to the deadline. This isn't the worst thing ever to have him shut down, especially if he can only play in bursts anyway. And he was very good against the Lakers. He prompted a whole segment from me talking about how good he can be when he plays 
because he was so so impressive in that game. But it's not a bad thing for the Pacers that this is the route that they have to go. But it is a bad thing that Brogdon is dealing with an Achilles injury. Achilles are very scary to deal with. In fact, when Brogdon was speaking at practice, he said the worst injury that he could have is a ruptured Achilles, right? And that's why he's being so cautious about all this. And, you know, they, they, he was practicing almost every day, not in a full capacity necessarily, and like trying to go through game work and trying to play, right? That's why he played on that game on December 21st against Miami and then kind of not re-aggravated it, but got hurt again. And then he didn't play again for about 20 days against Boston, right? And he was always questionable and people always get annoyed when he doesn't play, whatever. But the reason they were so cautious is because it is literally the worst injury he could have to rupture that Achilles. Like it is a years long thing. So he was being really cautious. He talked about it. He was gracious enough to be available despite being injured after practice one day last week. And he said, just being cautious. That's what this is about being cautious because you know he probably could like, play a little bit but it is not worth it to rupture that achilles you know that's what he talked but he said he also said it's all about pain management it's all about continuing to go in the right direction you just don't want days where you're taking steps backwards so i kind of think that's what carlisle was saying when he said it hasn't healed the way they wanted is they had a few days in a row where they felt like he wasn't progressing towards getting to 100 or towards being a guy they can play every day there's no point of having him practice they're playing all right the deadline's coming up just just chill out for a little bit maybe even till the break right the all-star break is like two, three weeks away, basically, right? Maybe just shut him down till then. I don't know what they're thinking exactly, but Carlisle said on January 22nd, they're shutting him down for 10 days. That's basically the rest of the month, right? February 1st is is when that 10 days ban is up. I highly doubt that on that day, they'll just be like, yep, he's ready to go. Great. That's when they reevaluate him and will come out and say, yes, this is how Malcolm's feeling and how, how we're handling that going forward. Achilles are finicky and you have to be careful with those. And Brogdon, who already has an injury history and, and is very infrequently healthy for this Pacers team. The Pacers should be as cautious as possible with this one. I would, if I were in charge, shut him down through the All-Star break. That gets him a clean month of rehab. Maybe not completely shut him down, but like a non-basketball program or something like that to just keep him keep him moving, but off the Achilles as much as you can to, to get him healthy because he's important for the future of this team. He's one of their best players when he plays, like I detailed last week, and Maybe he can play later this season and they can see how – because I think – like I'm, I'm receptive to the idea that he might not play again this season. He's played three games in 40 days and Achilles are finicky. There's a chance he never plays this season again. And that's not – you know, that would be kind of forward-thinking and smart from the Pacers to consider that. But you, know, you never want to do that because you would like to get all the data you can on how does he fit with Duarte. Okay, how does he fit with Isaiah Jackson? We barely know that. How does he play with Goga, the new Goga, who's playing a little better recently? And then they might make some trades. In fact, it's looking like they're going to do something in the next two weeks. How does he fit with the new guys? You know, how, how, those evaluation points are important, especially because Brogdon can again be traded this summer, knowing as much as you can with all the information possible. How does he fit with TJ Warren if Warren returns this season? All this stuff matters to me, someone who likes data points and likes being able to totally think about the situation as it relates to the salary cap. You know, I get why Brogdon would be, in theory, if you're a 17 and 31 team, you'd consider shutting him down for the season. But I think the most the the, the thing the Pacers should to try to do is, or will do, is, potentially is just shut him down to the All Star break. At least we know that the 10 days are coming, and in that meantime, we'll continue to see. You know, Levert as long as he's healthy, do some point guard duty. Duarte will play more. Lance will play more. Duarte's been playing very well recently, right? So on the on the bright side of this, they get a lot from their young guys. They get to feature a fan favorite a little more. They get to feature Levert a little more with the deadline coming up. Those are all good silver linings, but obviously having Brogdon play for a team with winning aspirations would be better. So we'll see how the healing goes. This won't be able to be updated or fully discussed until 
you know, February starts on how they're going to tread forward with this. But in my opinion, they should just shut them down until the All-Star break. And after the break, once they have their, their team situation figured out and they know what the deal with him is, they can properly assess what they need to do with the Achilles going forward. Because the worst possible outcome from this is a ruptured Achilles or a torn Achilles or anything like that. Those just take so long to recover from. So that that's where I stand on all that. That's the latest update on the Brogdon Injury Chronicles. And instead of just having him be in limbo and having us ask every game, hey, Rick, is Malcolm going to play today? Do By doing this, the Pacers can officially just say, he's done for 10 days. We'll update you in February. We'll figure it out then. We'll provide the best timeline going forward. This is the best for everybody. It allows Brogdon to be cautious. It allows the team to feature the right stuff leading up to the deadline. And it allows healing to happen for a team that is 17 and 31. So I'll update this when I when it's time. But for now, no more Brogdon discussion for a little bit, we'll continue to cover this young team as a young, growing team with the guys that they have playing available. Finally back at home to see these guys on Wednesday against Charlotte. But tomorrow, I'm finally going to be able to talk trades in the trade deadline and my thoughts about what this team should do in their direction going forward. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be really great. So thank you guys a ton for listening. Hope you had a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.